the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North AM 1460, FM 101.1. The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. or via podcast. Fly me to the moon. Let me play. Among the stars. Shining a light on the leaders and luminaries of today and tomorrow. You're listening to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Well, if you're listening to that song, ladies and gentlemen, you know it is Saturday morning. It is 8 o'clock and it is beautiful outside. It's March, March 2nd, and, you know, we're in for a beautiful day. It should be around 60 this afternoon. Uh, you know, we're in March, which means if you're, if you're a Coloradan, specifically a Southern Coloradan, you know uh, that March is summer and winter all packed into one. And it is never a dull moment here. So bring a parka and a pair of swim trunks and flip-flops and put them in your car. Because you're probably mm-hmm. going to need both of them <laughs> on any given day in March and certainly April. But glad you're with us. And uh, you're listening to True North. It is Saturday, March 2nd. And uh, I am your host, Dirk Hobbs. And I want to give a shout out to our great sponsors, Notes Live. Uh, these are the great people who are bringing us the Sunset Amphitheater. And if you don't know by now that One Republic is opening that stadium, then you have been living under a rock. And I welcome you to come out because there's a lot of great shows coming. Uh, we've got Steely Dan coming. We've got Allison Krauss and Robert Plant. Uh, I mean, come on, folks. I mean, world-class talent is coming to Colorado Springs to hang out with us. At J.W. Roth's place up on the north side of town called the Sunset Amphitheater. You know, it's the new entertainment district in Colorado Springs, and there's a lot going on up there. Of course, we have Boot Barn Hall and Notes Bar. Uh, they all have great acts as well. And, uh, you know, it's it's we're growing up, folks. We're growing up big time. And, um, you know, I can't even imagine what's on the horizon for those guys bringing in acts from around the world. So stay tuned to Notes Live and, um, you know, make sure you get those tickets because they're, they're flying fast. Uh, you know, last time I spoke with JW, he said, uh, you know, they added a third show for One Republic because the first two sold out within 30 minutes. And that's, you know, I mean, that those are U2 numbers, right? And uh, <laughs> that's quick. So the anticipation and the excitement around live entertainment here in Southern Colorado in an amphitheater setting in August, uh, opening up with One Republic, it couldn't be higher, and I uh, hope you're going to be able to enjoy it no matter where you are in Southern Colorado. But certainly get your, get online and get yourself some tickets, uh, get in line for that stuff, because you definitely want to see some shows out there. 
Well, we've got a great show here today for you. We have a very special guest. She's calling in from Kuskia, Idaho, because uh, she's on vacation. We've actually interrupted her vacation. I'm on the line with U.S. Olympian Kara Winger. Kara, are you with me? I'm here, Dirk. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on your vacation up there. Uh, I understand you're up there because your husband's a river guide. Did I get that right? Yes. He rows a drift boat um, to, to put clients on steelhead, the migratory trout of um, this upper Idaho area. <laughs> There's <laughs> huge, beautiful, really fun fish uh, to, to look for. Very good. Hard so, to come by, so, like an Olympic, maybe. So, so it wasn't cold enough here in Colorado Springs. You had to go further north into Idaho to relax. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> let me tell you, it snowed pretty hard on us the other day. So my fingers were suffering. But right. I got a fish out of it. Oh, you got a fish out. Okay, fair enough. So are you an avid fisher woman? You know, I'm getting there, being married to Russ for almost a decade. Uh, it's finally catching on in my life, so okay. that's been really fun. I am just trying to spend more time with him, and he's usually fishing, so if I want to be with him, I'm going to be on the water, probably. So where exactly is Kuska? Um, Kuski is... Or Kuski, thank you. Just, yeah, you're fine. Um, central North Idaho, like three hours from Spokane, Washington, okay. and like an hour north of Lewiston, um, which doesn't really give people that much information. Not yet, but I'm getting there. Uh, I know <laughs> Boise. miles from Missoula <laughs> over Lolo Pass. So, okay. so you're, up in the, you're up in the thin area of Idaho? Yes. Okay. Yes. Very good. And what's, what are some of the rivers that you guys are um, taking folks out on? They guide on the Clearwater River. The Clearwater River Collective is the name of the company. I highly recommend that people come and see them. Yeah. Very, very good. Well, Kara, it's an honor to speak with you, and I'm excited to present um, your story to our listeners here on True North. You know, we, we've had the uh, great privilege of interviewing a lot of Olympians who are headed to, and Paralympians as well, they're headed to Paris this year. Uh, you are a four-time Olympian, a nine-time national champion, and you still hold the American record for javelin, women's javelin. Uh, mm -hmm. Can I just, would it seem patronizing to say congratulations on those incredible accomplishments? No, thank you so much. It was such a huge part of my life for so, so long, so I always you know, maybe appreciate talking about it even more now than I did in the thick of it. I'm so sure. Thank you. Uh, no, I appreciate that actually. Cause I, uh, you know, I was in sports for quite a, quite a number of years as well. And, and when you're in the thick of it, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when you have a little bit of time to reflect on it, you know, pretty special times. Well, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, where are you from and how did you get into this javelin business? Yeah, everyone wants to know because hardly anyone has ever heard of it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I grew up in Washington State, and when I was growing up, there were 13 states in the U.S. that threw the javelin at the high school level. So it was only sanctioned in 13 states in the U.S. Hmm. Now it's more like 22, which is really great as a javelin thrower. There have been quite a few like young athletes who've advocated within their high school systems to get the javelin into the curriculum, onto the track team, which I love. Wow. So... I just happened to grow up in one of those 13 states, and my geometry teacher my freshman year looked at me in class, knew that I was an athlete otherwise. I had swam in the fall and played basketball in the winter that year and didn't have a sport lined up for the spring. So he said, Kara, what about the javelin? I think you should be a javelin thrower. And I said, Mr. Heidenreich, what is that? 
okay, I'll give it a try, and ended up second in state as a freshman that year. I had a massive personal best at the state meet um, and kind of accelerated from there. What what do you attribute that to? I mean, is it just because it is an odd sport? It's one of the original Olympic sports, right? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, this and the shot put and, you know, the, the triathlons or, or marathons, I should say. I mean, these these are some of the original games of the Olympiad. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have any idea or any history whatsoever or any context for what this sport was and, and why it was? No, from the get-go, like I didn't know that off the bat, right? And it's really something that I, I learned quickly. I understood pretty quickly that it was an original Olympic sport, and I loved the history and the gravity of that, that mm-hmm. this is just a millennia-long thing that people have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really was just something new. I had played team sports my whole life growing up. I was a volleyball player, soccer player, basketball. I thought was my ticket to college, but I missed way too many layups <laughs> to make that a reality. Self-awareness and, is good. Uh, yeah, I tried really hard. I, my effort was far beyond my ability, so I'm, I'm proud of that in a way, too. But um, <laughs> I'd gotten frustrated with team sports. We kind of always shot ourselves in the foot when it came to the big, the big tournaments and stuff like that. And to have something that was individual, um, you know, swimming was my taste of that, my, my individual effort meant outcome and I loved those girls I just wasn't as naturally talented as I was told pretty quickly that I was in the javelin so Mm. I I really loved the kind of new people new culture of the sport Um, and swimming your face is always in the water right so being able to talk to my friends at practice (laughs) in track was really cool Mm -hmm. and just being outside was really fun too that was kind of the first sport since soccer that I had gotten to just be in the fresh air so um, with, and I think it serves me well growing up in Washington and 40 degrees and rain in the spring to be a Colorado <laughs> javelin thrower, too. That's that's well, let me ask you this. Like golf, uh, when you're in the more humid elevations in the nation, if you know, your golf ball doesn't go quite as far as it does up here at the higher, thinner air. Is that true mm-hmm. of javelin, too? It's actually you you would hope that it was, but it's actually not necessarily the opposite, but the javelin is just heavy enough that it needs more support from the atmosphere than it gets. So a golf ball does great, a football does great, a baseball goes further, um, but they're all much lighter than the javelin. So the javelin needs a little bit of extra support from the air, and it actually doesn't go as far in Colorado at elevation. So I trained there for the last decade of my professional career, and I always said that being a Colorado javelin thrower was an exercise in believing in yourself. (laughs) That's terrific. (laughs) Well, you know, I'd really like to understand, you know, how a girl uh, gets into this. Uh, I want to understand the javelin culture, the track and field culture in general. Uh, When we Mm -hmm. come back in our next quarter, we're hanging out with Kara Winger. She's a four-time Olympian, a nine-time national champion, and still holds the American record in women's javelin. And she lives here in southern Colorado, specifically in Colorado Springs. Right now, shes I've interrupted her, her vacation in Idaho with her husband. How rude. But she mm. has agreed to talk to us. And we're going to get a little bit more into kind of her first competitive 
uh, endeavors in the javelin from her swim and basketball days, uh, pivoted and ended up with a javelin in her hand. How that went and how she got introduced to the Olympics and everything else. So stick with us. We're back in a few minutes with Kara Winger. Booth Barn Hall, your gateway to great entertainment. Bringing you world-class concerts and events all year round. Plus, looking for a venue for your next event? Check out BoothBarnHall.com. Booth Barn Hall, your gateway to great entertainment. See you at the show. All right, we're back here second quarter with True North. I am your host, Eric Hobbs. It's about 8.15-ish. You should be on your second cup of coffee this beautiful Saturday morning. And I uh, hope you're enjoying our conversation with four-time Olympian Kara Winger. She is a U.S. women's javelin uh, participant and, like I said, four-time Olympian, nine-time national champion. And she still holds the American record uh, for javelin. Kara, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, we appreciate you letting us interrupt your uh, mini vacation up there in Kuski, Idaho, where you're hanging out in the nice warm tundra up there. Not uh, pretty cold <laughs> up there, I would imagine, still, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm standing outside, though, and with a nice jacket and a pair of gloves. Oh, very I'm good. Okay. Got a good view, I would imagine. It's pretty spectacular up there. Yeah, the hills are really beautiful. It snowed yesterday and always... Seeing that fresh blanket is my favorite. It's a beautiful thing. Well, thanks for indulging us. Uh, you know, we want to walk folks through some of your uh, your journey from uh, Washington and, and basically uh, getting turned around by a geometry teacher who said, hey, uh, what do you think about throwing the javelin? Um, you had been in basketball and swimming and doing okay there, uh, but, you know, self-awareness guided you away from your basketball experience because <laughs> what, what did you say you, you weren't the greatest at layups <laughs> yeah i missed way too many of them i made the important ones but missed some, missed some <laughs> large quantities well god bless you for that but uh you did take up the javelin and you had a great experience first year out Yes. So I had a big personal best my freshman year to get second at state and then won the state tournament or the state meet the next three years. So um, I like to say, though, I was never the best until I was. I finally won a national championship my senior year, and that's kind of an extracurricular thing. It doesn't have to do with your high school. It's more of an elective. Like, you can go um, and participate if you're if you're good enough, if you stack up against the other women in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually got to go very last minute to Olympic trials in 2004, um, get dead last, and come right home. <laughs> that, but the experience yeah. was really important. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of show you showed you what the best really looks like, right? Right. And, you know, shout out to my mom who really did that research and got me registered, took me. We did just really an overnight road trip to um, Sacramento, California from Washington to get me into that meet. But uh, the... The journey in high school really just showed me that I could be great if I set my mind to it. And to be honest, I didn't have a whole lot of direction academically. I was a good student, but I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I would say that that's still true. So (laughs) the opportunity to go to Purdue University on scholarship and have a lot of academic variety was really great for me, too. Plus, my coach there, Rodney Zuderwick, was really incredible and was truly the catalyst to my actual first Olympics later in college. So th- this this experience at Purdue, that, that's really your first foray into structured coaching around the javelin specifically? Is that correct? Well, I had a javelin coach in high school who was wonderful um, and definitely 
was more knowledgeable than a lot of the, the high school coaches we have in the country, which is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I like to tell people that infrastructure doesn't really matter in terms of exposing a kid to an event, like to something new, um, to something that they can just fall in love with. Cause we didn't have a javelin runway. Um, my first state championship was on a grass runway. You just literally mow a runway into a field to <laughs> have a javelin competition. Mm-hmm. So, in order to become a four-time Olympian, like you don't need all of the, the bells and whistles that people think that you do to learn something. So that's one of my favorite lessons from early in my career. And Purdue was a little bit the same way. So I had great coaching in high school um, and encouragement to seek out a great environment rather than necessarily the quote-unquote best program, right? So I had fantastic training partners. Um, Lindsay Blaine was also from Washington State. And Rodney Zuderwick, my coach, was just like the quietest, most calm motivator you've ever met. Cool. Um, he cares so much about the whole person uh, rather than the results that he gets from the athlete. And it's just, it was really, really a wonderful scenario for me to grow in. I was, I was probably too quiet, too intimidated uh, to, go to go to some of the more, I guess, reputation big track schools. And I wasn't good enough yet. I needed that kind of incubation period. I appreciate your humility and wherewithal to know what is really happening around you. Uh, I can imagine the listeners appreciate that too. And, you know, from high school, you went down to Sacramento for the Olympic trials and you, you really got a glimpse into what world-class javelin throwing looks like. So Mm -hmm. you go over to Purdue and you start working with some great folks. And at, at what point do you feel in your Purdue journey uh, part of your journey. What? Wh- when did you start to feel you? Okay, I'm really starting to dial in here, and I might have a real shot at becoming yeah. an Olympian. I had this big. It was like a five meter, um, which maybe fifteen, sixteen feet personal best mm-hmm. in my sophomore year. So I remember like April first, two thousand six. It's West Boston, Indiana. So there was an absolute snowstorm. Like the snow was coming in sideways. And I threw the javelin five meters further than I ever had before. And I had a practice the day before where I was like hitting myself in the head with it. It's this big, <laughs> long spear. So that's really easy to do as a young athlete. Mm-hmm. And I had this huge improvement in performance. And I said to myself, if I can do that on accident, what could I do on purpose? Like, Ooh. I just really didn't feel like I understood what I was doing yet. And to have that result just showed me that intentionality, really focusing on the job at hand, not that I hadn't been doing that, but that I could just unlock even more potential in myself if I really put my mind to it. It was really cool. So I'd say that was the moment. Um, I had a big hiccup, um, a lower back injury, a, a PARS right stress fracture in mm. my L5 Ouch. Um, my junior year. So I actually had a medical red shirt before my career really, really took off. But that moment my sophomore year was really big. So walk us through the first conversations with some of um, the folks at the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee uh, and the Team USA Javelin. Or is it track? You're rolled up under track and field, right? Yes. Okay. Who did you meet, and and what were those conversations like? So my first real experience, actually, with the USOPC goes way back to a visit to the Chula Vista Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. It's now a training site. Mm -hmm. Um, So Southern California, when I was a 
junior in high school. So I was good enough. I mentioned that mm-hmm. um, I got to go to the national championship meet as a high schooler. This was a camp, like a junior elite development camp. Mm-hmm. And it was via USA Track and Field, but run at the USOPC's facility in Chula Vista. And I just remember being kind of blown away by the, the facilities, the weather, like the atmosphere of sure. greatness. You just know that everybody's there for the same thing. And the people there were really wonderful. Like we were high school athletes, but we were treated exactly like the, the Olympians and Paralympians around us. So that was really my first introduction. And what ended up happening um, after I made the Beijing team in college, the experience there was exactly the same. Like I'm 22. I am the freshest face on the Olympic team, right? (laughs) Um, Not statistically, but probably an attitude, just deer in headlights scenario. (laughs) And all of those staff members took care of me just like they did Michael Phelps. And it was just really, really cool to understand that this was a team um, of individuals who were just trying to be their best. And I I loved the experience. So, uh, yeah, from there, like that introduction to the USOPC in Beijing, after I finally graduated from Purdue in 2009, I, we had the opportunity, my husband and I, my now husband, to go to the Chula Vista Olympic Training Center in Southern California and live. So this place that I had been as a high schooler at camp mm-hmm. was opening its arms to full-time training, full-time athlete life um, for me and, and this person that I loved as well. Mm-hmm. So that was super cool. So you knew right then uh, you were going to have a, a career as a javelin thrower. I was going to give it my best shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any financial real uh, indication that it was going to work out. I had this living situation, coaching situation at the Tula Vista Training Center that gave me more indication it was possible that lodging taken care of, food taken care of, coaching taken care of was really important for us the 23-year-old me, you know? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you, you watch watch you guys on television, and there looks like there's a lot of you, but it's a very small percentage of athletes, frankly, um, in the United States that are that have qualified and, and done what it takes to make the United States Olympic and Paralympic teams. So you're there in Beijing. Kara, walk us through some of those early moments real quick uh, of what it looked like. Um, and felt like to be, I mean, now you have the title. I am an Olympian, regardless of what medal you come away with. You're an Olympian now. Right. Even if you don't come away with a medal, which is my scenario. Exactly. That's Um, right. So I, Beijing was so iconic, right? This is Beijing 2008. Yeah. Um, I got to walk in the opening ceremony. I, that's actually the only opening ceremony I ever participated in, which I'm really sad about. But if it was going to be one, it's the fact that it's that one is really cool because it's still the opening ceremony that is on all the highlight videos. It was sure. so grand and so enormous. Um, the flag bearer for opening ceremonies that year was Lopez Lamong from Track and Field. So if your flag bearer is from your sport, you're, that part, like that sport gets to be at the front of the delegation walking into the stadium. So there is a really cool picture. A couple of them, um, a reporter was sent from Purdue, from Indianapolis, um, to take pictures of me in the opening ceremony. And it was a needle in a haystack situation, but I happened <laughs> to be in the second row of Americans. So they found you. So 
there I am. And it's just, it's really, really neat to see that picture still a lot of different places around the Colorado Springs Olympic and Paralympic Training Center as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just have such an iconic moment be my first Olympic moment. But the kind of behind the scenes part of that is you're in these like really cool Ralph Lauren suits, like opening ceremonies outfits, <laughs> but they are there are multiple layers. They're heavy. It's a jacket right. in Beijing in the summer. Mm-hmm. And the pictures that I have from just in the stadium after we all walked in of especially the thrower men just sweating like crazy. Yeah, and all of us really, like there was a um, just a phenomenon with the little scarf that we had from Polo Ralph Lauren that was beautiful, but bled its ink kind of all oh. over the white shirts and it's just this very uh humbling real life scenario right after such a grand entrance that kind of clued me into the fact that this is still real life this is still real people here yep. doing their best and uh, i loved kind of that example well let's come back to it in the second half of true north we're here with kara winger olympian javelin thrower four times uh we'll get back to it in just a moment The news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. All right, we're back here. Second half of True North. You're listening to Kara Winger, four-time Olympian and uh, nine-time national champion. And she still currently holds the American record for women's javelin. Team USA track and field. Kara Winger, glad you're with us. Thank you. You know, we were talking about, you know, the opening ceremonies and being in there. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, some of the revelations you learn as as we talk to different Olympians and Paralympians. And, you know, on TV, it looks wonderful, spectacular, and I'm sure it is. Uh, but you, as you were disclosing, uh, you know, the, the Beijing Olympics were still in the summertime and you were wearing those very heavy Ralph Wren suits. Uh, pretty hot day, yeah? Yeah, and there's so many little touches of just real life. Like, it's still international travel, right? You're still being really careful to not brush your teeth with the water in the Olympic Village. Things like that that you just don't think about when you are really focused on elite athlete performance. Uh, But for me, those kind of humbling real life, like down-to-earth experiences with people that I really came to care about and understand were just like me, was everything that my Olympic experience was um, through all four of them. And also because I didn't have the performances that I wanted, I always had some little injury, some nagging thing, um, and then a big injury that got in the way of those Olympic medal dreams. But all of the memories of like having to spit in a tube to take a COVID test every single morning with one of my best friends in the world, Mm -hmm. um, who was my Olympic roommate in Tokyo, those are those are the memories I'll always take with me, uh, rather than kind of the grand ones that you do see on TV. So no, any any family trip you ever go on uh, with <laughs> with people where there are little quab- like squabbles and and you know fights along the way, like that happens in the Olympic Village too, and then you go and compete in the Olympic Games. So it's That's really awesome. funny. You know, you, you've you've been to the Olympics four times. Um, I mean, that's incredible, Kara. Um, your career spans quite a bit of time. Um, what are you, 36 now, 37? 37, I'll yeah. be 38 this year. All right, mm-hmm. and you're not done yet, right? Did I hear that right? 
<laughs> I have been dabbling in the training. It's only four days a week. Um, and again, it's, it's not about performance for me necessarily. It's, it's the, the community that I really found on the Olympic stage and in the javelin specifically. It's this weird little thing that when you meet other people in the world that do the same thing, you just understand each other. Sure. And that's yeah. true in every single Olympic sport. Uh, one of my favorite events to watch is the sport climbing because I just can't imagine like how well those people get to know each other all around the world. Indeed each other all the time but yeah I've been dabbling I miss it uh I retired in 2022 but kind of the reason was that I'd had a second ACL surgery I'd already decided to be done my husband actually coached me in 2022 mm-hmm. and I earned the first ever world championships medal for an American women's javelin thrower on my last throw at a home world championships um, I PR'd uh, I PR'd a personal record for the first time in 12 years to reset that American record. Um, and I won the Diamond League final at the end of the season. So <laughs> it's just, it's hard to walk away when that's my last experience. Oh, and I yeah. spent a year, <laughs> yeah, I spent a year thinking about it. I did take 2023 off. Um, but my body missed the training too. I just, I feel really good when I'm training. And so I'm making no promises about competition, but I'm really enjoying kind of getting reacquainted with it. Well, very good. Uh, so the Olympic experience, like I said, four times, nine-time national champion. I mean, y- you you have really experienced the breadth of world-class sports. Uh, I'm sure you've made a ton of friends inside Team USA. Um, and I suspect you have a camaraderie with with your fellow athletes from other countries. For sure. Yep. And are those relationships pretty deep or how would you, how would you articulate that? Yeah, I would say, um, again, there's kind of no one that understands you as well as somebody that loves what you love. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like me spending time with Russ on the river. Like that's exactly (laughs) to see why, uh, he loves it. One of the coolest things that happened in my career is in 2017, Barbara Spataková, who's the world record holder, like undisputed best women's javelin thrower of all time, uh, invited me to Prague to train with her that summer Wow! for like a week. And A, it's Prague. It's so cool. It's one of my favorite cities in the entire world. And B, this is the best javelin thrower in history. And she won world championships that summer. And I will never forget, we were hanging out in Prague at dinner, like at this Mexican restaurant. And all these people on the streets of Prague were stopping to take pictures with her. So I just got to be her little paparazzi photographer (laughs) with all these fans um, of Barbara. And I wanted to take a picture too, right? Like she's my friend, but she is just this absolute idol as well. Um, And she finished her career in 2022 also. So Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of have those last moments with her and really savor them and talk about it, like we were just checking in with each other the whole time. Uh, I can't believe that I got that lucky to call this best person who's ever done it a friend. And we have a lot in common outside of that, too. Love dogs, love being outside. Um, she took me to this little lake outside Prague with her dog, and we got to play fetch that first week that I trained there. And then I went back every summer that I could after that. So um, I'd say those are deep relationships, and they, they continue in, in retirement. In, indeed. Well. You know, it's amazing. I picked up a lot of stuff there, but one of the things that just won't let go in my mind, Mexican food in Prague. Unpack mm-hmm. that a little bit. <laughs> How does that work exactly? How did that go? Well, it's, it's not, there's not as much cheese, I would say, as um, on the North American continent. But 
Uh, all I remember is the food was better because of the company. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we'll let it go at that. But for some reason, that's what my brain stuck to. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's really neat. You get to meet an idol, somebody who's really at the at the pinnacle of their sport. Kara, un- help us understand what, what constitutes a world-class javelin thrower. I mean, what biomechanics um, are, are in play to help – you know, uh, one person become an outstanding javelin thrower and one person to be just, you know, one medal or one position behind them. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. Well, we talk about levers a lot. So I'm six feet tall, but I have a six, three wingspan and that helps me keep the javelin way back there. It's a, it's a stretch reflex more than a throw. Mm -hmm. So you're stopping all your momentum with your lower body and then becoming a trebuchet to throw the javelin up over your head. Um, and the, I'd say the X factor, the difference between the metals and not the metals is actually more like the action of a fishing rod, a fly fishing rod. So all of these Coloradans in Southern Colorado that get out on the river, um, the patience that you have in your back cast mm-hmm. to then whip the line forward is exactly what you're looking for with the javelin. Leave it behind you as long as possible and your shoulder becomes the fishing rod. No kidding. Yeah, but you need all that stability from your lower body and your core um, mm-hmm. to, to have the solid base of the trebuchet to then become the fishing rod. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, is, is strength a factor as well? I mean, I, I would think it would be to some degree, yeah. Yeah, you definitely need that base of power to, to kind of accelerate the rest of your body ahead of the fishing rod, ahead of your right shoulder, ahead of the javelin. But... It's more specific strength. So in order for your shoulder to put up with all of that stress, doing a lot of really weird, like detailed, tiny little muscle stability exercises is where I really got my confidence. Um, And of course, with two ACL surgeries, I had to do a ton of um, left leg rehab to be confident in that stopping power as well. So strength and flexibility. Strength and flexibility. Because what I'm asking for, you know, viewers as we watch the games, because you get a few you get a few images uh, of people hitting certain marks, you know, but that's about the extent of the coverage of javelin in many cases uh, on the national programming schedule. But. As we do watch, I'm trying to give a, a firmer appreciation for what the athlete might be going through and what they're looking to accomplish uh, just by watching them. Um, can you can you observe somebody and say, okay, that's that throw's not going anywhere? Yes, uh, and that is usually a deceleration of speed. So you're running down the runway and you really want to go faster at the end. So mm-hmm. if someone slows down, it looks like they're overthinking it probably not going to go very far. And it's also an airplane wing, the javelin. So it's tapered thickest in the middle Mm -hmm. and the aerodynamics of it will let it fly the furthest. So the angle that it comes out of the athlete's hand is also really important. And people tend to get really nervous, try really hard, get really tight. And then the tip of that javelin goes straight to the sky and it's probably not going to work out very well. And I would imagine you have tens of thousands of throws under your belt. Um, Am, yeah. I, am I remotely close, or are we talking about a couple hundred thousand throws? What do you think? Um, you know, it's always been better for my psyche to not count. <laughs> but I like <laughs> I like to say that I've taken thousands and thousands and thousands of throws and only torn my ACL twice. 
So that is a good perspective for me to keep in mind uh, because the percentage of injury is very low, even though those were major injuries. So I I can't tell you, to be honest, but from 2001 Mm -hmm. to 2022, uh, almost every year I was taking lots and lots and lots of throws. Very good. Well, I want to come back and unpack your national champions uh, championships, uh, the American record holder day that you experienced, and then, of course, you did something pretty extraordinary in Tokyo in 2021. But there's a lot more to Kara Winger as well. She's an avid dog lover, and she it loves public lands. And we're going to unpack that and her passions when we come back in the next quarter. Booth Barn Hall, your gateway to great entertainment. Bringing you world-class concerts and events all year round. Plus, looking for a venue for your next event? Check out BoothBarnHall.com. Booth Barn Hall, your gateway to great entertainment. See you at the show. When you listen to this station, you get the idea of why we exist and what we can do to make this a better place. We all know that America is not what it should be. The hosts of this channel are not willing to accept it the way it is. These hosts want to build America back and make this country the leader of the world stage. It can be done. Stick with us to find out how. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Fourth quarter here, True North, Saturday, March 2nd, is 845. Hopefully you're on your last cup of coffee for the morning. Going to head out to a beautiful Southern Colorado weekend. Beautiful Saturday, so go out and enjoy it. should be close to 60 today. It's just a teaser, though, because the cold weather is going to be back uh next week as well so hey it's march in colorado what do you expect uh, i got kara winger on the hook she's calling in from uh, kuski idaho i've interrupted her vacation and she has agreed to just kind of share her experience she's a four-time olympian nine-time national champion and she currently still holds the american record for women's javelin kara thanks for joining us on this saturday Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, it's a pleasure talking to you. You can tell you're smiling over the phone here. Uh, Maybe next time we'll get together here in the studio. But clearly you're a very upbeat, positive person. you got a great message. Uh, You know, one of the things we like to do with folks that have experienced this Olympic dream is is talk about to to the younger folks that are listening, you know, never give up on your dreams, right? Right. How, right? how, what would be your message for young athletes who are experimenting with the different different sports that maybe not the you know the big swimming sports and track and field? I mean, some of these more obscure sports, if you will, like javelin. Uh, these are great opportunities for young student athletes to get into and maybe even find themselves having an Olympic conversation. I agree completely, and I, you know, played basketball, slam, all the way through high school. I'm a big advocate for being well-rounded as an athlete as well for as long as you can make that happen. So definitely do the weird thing. Like, try it out, give it a shot, give it a fair shot, and don't let kind of any preconceived notions that you have get in your way. Because once I met the people that were throwers that were on the track team but kind of relegated to the corners of the track Mm -hmm. I absolutely fell in love with the community that was there and it really kept me going until I figured out that oh if I apply the work ethic that I've had in every other sport to this weird thing um, I could be the best in the world I could just make it my own and make it an adventure as well as a goal 
Mm-hmm. That's always what I love about it. That's mm-hmm. outstanding. Good message. So four-time Olympian, you know, how many – Beijing was your first game, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what were the next few for you? So I like to say my first three Olympics, I was very young, Beijing 2008, um, very injured. I tore my ACL at Olympic trials in 2012, but mm. made the London Olympic team anyway and competed because no one could have taken my place. We didn't have an American women's javelin alternate. Okay. Um, and so I did my best. I threw on a torn ACL, which was extremely scary, but Ouch. told me that I was really tough. Taught me how tough I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rio 2016, I was very close to my dreams. I actually threw the furthest ever 13th place in Olympic history, which is one spot out of the final. Wow. The was furthest har- to ever not make the final. Was that, was that heartbreaking? I mean, sur- surely there yeah. is a hope to get a- across the finish line, right? Yeah, it was really, really tough. Um, and I thought kind of the hardest thing that I'd gone through in my career, but uh, then Tokyo, I really thought, and in Rio, I was like, third time's the charm, right? This is my third Olympics. It's going to be great. So to come up uh, short, but that close was extremely difficult. But thankfully, my family was there. My husband was there. Um, he was actually my quote-unquote coach, which was really fun when he became my coach in 2022 because he was my coach at my best Olympic performance. Um, and then in, in Tokyo in 2021, I was 11 months post-op from my second ACL surgery. So Hmm. I did my absolute best, um, came in 15th place and I was, you know, physically ready, but mentally not quite there less than a year out from that surgery. But 2022 was an absolute dream. And to wrap up my Olympic campaign with a peer vote from my fellow Olympic athletes, um, in Tokyo as the American flag bearer for closing ceremonies was the highlight of my life. And it'll make me cry every single time I tell the story (laughs) because as a non-medalist to be honored in that way uh, was just the coolest thing ever. And I couldn't have said goodbye to the Olympics any better way. Well, that says a lot about you and the relationships you developed throughout uh, the Olympic team, not just the javelin and track and field folks, but clearly it was a big vote uh, across all sports and, um, Wow, that's a that's a pretty darn special moment. Yeah. 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 Well, I yeah. appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, were, were your eyes just bigger than uh, half dollars and just you're out there flying the flag for the United States of America? Yeah, it was really, really special. Um, and again, because I only walked in the opening ceremony in uh, Beijing in 2008, I wanted to do the Tokyo opening ceremony, but I wasn't able to because of COVID. We weren't allowed to arrive to the village um, before it happened. So mm-hmm. it was really special to get to wrap up the Olympics with a ceremony and to put that exclamation mark on it and represent my, my teammates was incredibly cool. Indeed. Well, you've got nine national championships behind you, though. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Congratulations there. And now the American record holder, uh, what does that mean to you? And what does it mean for the sport of uh, American javelin throwers? Because um, it's, it's, it's still a little short of being on the Olympic podium. I mean, what do we, what in your estimation, uh, is there a coaching future for you out there to help, help put the, the American women on the podium? You know, I really want to coach coaches. I think that's where I can be most effective. Um, A lot of athletes drop right into the coaching role 
And some of them are great at it, but I, I very much believe in the power of the coach-athlete relationship. And there are a lot of coaches who are eager to have the technical knowledge that I do. So they can also have impact on generations upon generations of athletes. Whereas if I'm coaching, I'm only, you know, impacting one person at a time. So I would love to do that. I'm working on a coaching curriculum um, to help people understand. I got to host a camp thanks to Brian Bedard at Colorado State University last summer. And it was so fun to have coaches and athletes come together because then the coach absorbs the knowledge, the athlete feels the technique, and they can go off back to their home together and work on it in ways that maybe as individuals they wouldn't have understood what we were talking about as Mm -hmm. much. So yes and no to coaching. (laughs) Um, And my... My story, you mentioned not giving up on your dreams. Um, the the Tokyo experience and knowing that 2022 was going to be my last season, uh, I just wanted to put absolutely everything I had into it, having the urgency of knowing it was my final attempt and having my husband as my coach. Um, I hadn't thrown a personal best since I broke the American record the first time in 2010 until my second to last meet of 2022 um, when I threw 68.11 in meters, that's 223.5. Wow. And it's actually the 12th best mark in world history, which is super cool. That so is very cool. It would have cool. been a medal at the Olympics in any other scenario, but you got to make the final first. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and then indeed. you can do that. And everybody's pretty pumped up to do it out there. So yeah. uh, as you're looking at the field going to Paris, uh, do you have some folks uh, that you think have got the goods? You know, there is a Japanese thrower. She actually medaled at the World Championships in 2022. When I medaled, she won World Championships last year in Budapest, and she's so young and so wonderful to watch. She's just like, you can tell as a competitor that she's so nervous, but whenever she busts herself out of those nerves and really, really performs, it's just incredible to watch her gratitude for every single experience that she has um, as a javelin thrower. I loved competing against her, even though we're separated by like 14 years, you know? <laughs> Indeed. Well, um, some yeah, of your best friends. So she are... is definitely the favorite. And she was absolutely a force in 2023. You know, and I think I, you know, the average viewer will, will probably agree that it's, it's really the most fun to watch the Olympians and Paralympians who have that element of humility and humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see it in their experience. Uh, they can't hide it. You know, you said she was a nervous young thrower and, and, you know, once she shakes that off it, and, and does what she does best, it's pretty fun to watch. But I, I think those are some of the most interesting moments when you meet those athletes on TV who have just they've come so far. And whether or not they, you know, take a medal away is irrelevant. It's really just the human experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like I like I mentioned, the the coach athlete relationship, she and her coach, David, um, her name is Haruka Kitaguchi. And they just, they love doing well together. And you can see that so much, but her family is there too. And it's just this little micro community within the cool javelin community that we have going on. So I'm a huge fan. Very special. Well, I want to get, you know, life after the Olympics. I mean, one of your big passion plays is public lands. Unpack that for us and what you're doing with that. Well, being married to Russ Winger, who is a Colorado Springs local, um, he went to Pine Creek High School, graduated in 2003. Um, I have come so far in my understanding of how cool the United States of America is with our public lands, our national park system, state parks, like just so many national forests, uh, wilderness lands. And I'm kind of a baby public lands advocate, I would say. I 
literally just got my hunter safety um, certification this week or this month in Colorado Springs at oh. Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I don't know that I am actually a hunter, but the, the conservation part of hunting, fishing, outdoor activity um, is really important to me, understanding how populations of animals work, the kind of climates within those public lands, um, and how we can sort of keep the earth healthy by interacting with it is my favorite thing. So Very good. Just trying to be outside a lot more. <laughs> and you're a big dog fan, so who are your companions? Um, just one, Madeline, Maddie the dog, Madeline the canine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came to us when she was <laughs> almost two. She's a yellow lab, and now she's nine and a half, Aww. and she's just my, my favorite thing. Big, beautiful um, baby. Yeah, she's precious. <laughs> is she up there with you in Idaho? Yes, um, but she is a terrible fishing dog. She gets way too excited, gets all wrapped up in the line, um, and loves fishing. We've never been able to train her out of her enthusiasm. So she doesn't get to come in the boat, but we go we go swimming almost every day. What a beautiful, horrible dog. I love it. Uh Uh, I got a big fat lab at home, too. Well, folks, we've been on the hook with Kara Winger. What a delightful human being. And thank you so much, Kara, for sharing your journey with us. We appreciate you taking a little time out of your vacation up there in Idaho. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, stay tuned. I've been seriously inspired by my fellow women athletes, and that's actually part of my training experiment. If they're doing incredible things as moms, as Um, multiple-time medalists who come back from having families, but also injuries and all of that other stuff. Why can't I try again, too? But we'll see. We'll see. I really appreciated being here. That's a great cliffhanger, Kara. Well, we're going to continue watching, and thank you again for joining us. Folks, enjoy your great weekend here in Southern Colorado. You're listening to True North. We're over and out. You've been tuned in to True North. Till next time. The news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.